Hey there, are you a Christian woman ready to experience next level victory, joy, and abundance in your daily life? You're listening to Abundance 1010. I'm Mathisa. And I'm Limbai. And we are friends on a mission to begin living the life God has in mind for us through Christ. The Bible is filled with principles we can adopt and promises we can claim to live fully and victoriously. As your co-hosts, we invite you to take this journey with us as we uncover and apply principles from the Bible to help us live life fully here on earth. And welcome to episode five of Abundance 1010. We are so happy that you're tuning in with us, whether you are in your kitchen, driving, taking a walk, take us along with you. And we're happy that you have joined us today. So Bimbai, I have to ask you, how are you doing? I am good. I am good. It has been a very long week. You know, we were talking about this earlier, how sometimes you've got to, you know, as you're shifting and doing some new things, you got to stretch and grow. So I'm going through some, some, um, a little bit of growing pains and stretching and, and putting in more hours work-wise than usual, but I'm good. I'm good. The week's been good so far. How about yours? That's good to hear that you are stretching yourself. And it's funny because I was going to say, it's been a bit of a long week for me too. Um, Yeah, it has. It it seems just a lot of things are on the go. A lot of things are on the go, exciting things. And so it feels like a very full week, but I am doing very well. Yeah, well, on to the topic for today. So we are now, like you said, Matisa, episode five. And... So far, we've been getting really good feedback. So thank you so much, listeners, for listening in to our previous episodes. Thank you for liking and sharing and and giving us feedback. We're really thankful that uh, so far you've been enjoying the content. And we're going to continue on with a new topic. Matisa, what are we talking about? So this episode, we're actually kicking off a series of episodes to talk about relationships. And we're going to talk about parental relationships, because we know how important our relationships with our parents are. We're born into this Mm -hmm. world, and it's the first people that we have contact with, and it's the first people that we start to establish what love actually is, and we receive love from parents. So we decided, you know what, we're going to start talking about parents. And so there was actually a documentary that has come out recently And you may or may not have watched it. So I just want to let you know, there's a bit of a spoiler alert because we will be talking about this documentary in detail. So if you haven't watched it, just letting you know, we're going to talk about it in detail. And that documentary is Father's Day, done by Kirk Franklin. And it was actually my husband who brought it to my attention because we, who, we, who do we know? What do we know about Kirk Franklin, Vimbai? He's a gospel great. Oh, my goodness. He is a performer. Yeah. He was in Toronto, actually, just a couple of days ago. He has such a large repertoire of, of songs. I love silver and gold. I love stomp. That's how we know of Kirk Franklin. Like, what are some of your favorite songs? Kirk Franklin, my goodness. I like... Um, now behold the lamb. Remember that one? We sang it in mm-hmm. choir. Yeah. So there's that one. I love. That's one of my favorites. And then he had this album he did. I believe it's the rebirth of Kirk Franklin. That was the early 2000s. Yes. And I loved all of the songs. And I remember I had at the time it was because you know back then we still did VHS. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I had it. I had the 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 video on VHS, and I remember I love to watch. Um, I love to watch him perform, and this he there's just something about him that just his music moves you. It moves you, and he's always been an outside of the box kind of artist. I remember back in the '90s when he came out with Stomp, and you know, being from a conservative country. Oh, yeah. They were like, what is this music? This is not this is not Christian music. (laughs) (laughs) But he has so much versatility. And yes, he's 
he's made quite a name for himself. So that's what I think of when I think of Kirk Franklin. This documentary showed another side of Kirk Franklin that I was not aware of because I didn't know that he didn't grow up with his biological parents. And so this documentary is essentially about him discovering, can we say a secret? Do you want to explain a little bit more of him, Vine? Yeah. So I remember when, when you sent it to me, and I remember looking at it, and I knew I knew it was a Kirk Franklin documentary. And and so as I began to watch it, immediately when he started to talk about his his background, because like you, Matisse, I didn't know that he didn't grow up with his his biological parents. I knew that he had some, I knew that there were some struggles in his childhood, but I didn't know the details of it. And then to hear about him coming into new information that really challenged what he had thought to be true. Just to give you some background, if you haven't watched the Father's Day documentary, I encourage you to go watch it. I think it's a must watch. Now, I grew up with both of my parents and I was shedding tears because in this, you know, in this video, we see he eloquently details the pain that he went through and his difficult childhood and just him reuniting and seeing, okay, remember I said spoiler alert, but him seeing who his biological father is. I couldn't help but shed tears because I just think we're created, God created us so that we are, when we come out, we're gonna love our parents. And there's just this longing for our parents if, you know, regardless if we grew up with them or not. So, so many things trace back to our family of origin. That's a whole other topic, Vimbai. But what I'm Mm -hmm. saying is that I shed tears and I do not know of his experience and I think it's a must watch. So, yeah, it's absolutely a must, must watch. And the interesting thing about it too is that, so he was, he hired a videographer to capture footage of him recording his latest album. And this was not something that he had foreseen because the person who he thought was his father had died, right? And so as he's recording this album, he now comes into new information that reveals that his father is alive and it's somebody who was in their small community. And so just to see the emotions that he went through and how in many ways it took him back to that child that was longing to know, longing to belong. He mentioned a lot of insecurities he's had over the years because of not having a relationship uh, with his father and all of the various details that that entails. So it, it's absolutely something that brings to light what we're talking about, Matisa. And this episode is going to be very insightful. And yeah. it's a very special episode. Why is it a very special episode, it Matisa? It's a very special episode because I have my loving and darling husband, James, here with us today. Like I told you, it was James who brought this documentary to my attention. Because James actually has so many similarities with Kirk in his upbringing, because like Kirk, James did not grow up with his with his biological parents. And so, you know, we, we debated about this a little bit because I thought initially maybe I would share his story on his behalf with his blessing. But after Vimbai and I yeah. spoke, we realized that no, no, we, we need James to come in our virtual studio and yeah. share story and we are so grateful that he's here today because this story it's it's a deeply personal one for him and it's one that could be hard to speak about so we we applaud his courage for coming on today to speak about his story and some of the things that he went through and and what he thought about the Kirk Franklin documentary so all right without further ado I am introducing Mr. James. Hey, James, welcome to Abundance 1010. 
Hey, thanks for having me. Good to be here. No, we're we're so grateful. Thank you for agreeing because as Mathisa said, this is a very deeply personal story and there's some parallels between your life and Kirk Franklin's life. And I'm sure that it brought it took you back to some some memories that you probably had. I, I guess the first question that I have for you is what was your initial reaction or thought to the documentary? When I saw the trailer, like I instantly knew what it was going to be about. And I instantly knew that it was going to be, you know, one of those documentary that 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 is emotional, you know, hard to watch. So yeah, as soon as I saw the trailer, I I geared myself up because you know I I know his story, but like the, the the depth, like I didn't know the depth, so like I psyched myself up and I'm like, you know, this this is a must-see because Kirk Franklin is is a famous person. So a lot of people are going through this on a daily basis. So I thought that it would have been something that would have bring a lot of new information to people that, that don't fully understand what it's like to to not have parents. Well, I can imagine it must have have really resonated with you just to know that here's somebody who has a similar upbringing. I think we can say similar upbringing to yours. Can you tell us about your upbringing? Okay, so I was, I grew up, you know, as a foster in, in Jamaica, not on foster care system really, because at the time, like Jamaica, there was no foster care system, you know, so I was just dropped off um, at this home for, you know, there are kids with disability, there are kids that their parents abandoned them. So I was just dropped off there and that was it. The the lady that started the, the home, you know, she saw me and she's like, oh, this is a nice little baby. Let me take him home. <laughs> Let me take him home with me. And she took me, she took me home with her. And when she took me home, someone said to her, like, what are you doing? Why are you taking him home? He's going to die. Like, he's not going to live two years. And she said, you know, if he dies, then so be it. But, you know, I'm going to take the chance and I'm going to take him home with me. Oh, so you were about two years old? About two to three years old. Yeah. And at the time I was, from the information that I started getting later, I was like extremely malnourished. So that's why... They said that, you know, probably he's probably not going to make it. So you're just taking him home to die. Wow. So you had a hard start then, because by the time you're two years old, there were already some people who thought you were not going to make it based on just how the life that you had, had lived before. You weren't uh, you weren't well nourished at that point. Yes, yes, correct. Okay. So then take us to that point. So you're the, the lady has taken you home and now she's uh, raising you with other kids, other kids who have, um, I guess they've all, all of them have been left there or, you know, by somebody. It's, it's, it's kind of like an orphanage setting. Yes. Yes. There's like half kids with disability and there, there are adults too that were, were there like with disability that's been in the system for 10, 15 years at that point. Um, yeah, so that's where I started. And she took me home with her. And then my life pretty much started living with her until she migrated and she passed me on to, to someone else who ended up being my pretty much foster mom until she died. Okay. So when were you... When did you become aware that you were not living with your parents? Like how, how did somebody tell you that? Did you become curious and ask questions? How did you come into that information? I think it was the first time I, I can remember knowing, I think I was at least four or five. Um, I was left with another lady because the, the lady that originally um, took me in, she migrated to England. So she left me with a, with a family friend. So at that point, I think it was, I was four, four years old, four going five. I remember like I was about to enter kindergarten at that, at that point. 
And it was at that point that I realized that, you know, this wasn't normal, that I didn't have parents. And then to add to it, like, there was abuse from that lady. So that even added more that, you know, this, this is not normal. Hmm. So now when, when you were with the, the lady, the one who, um, who you're now living with, who you're passed on to, were you, were there other children now living in that same setting or is it? She, she had a daughter, she had a daughter, so it was the three of us. Okay, so you start to go to school and you're now beginning to realize, wait a minute, okay, so what's I thought was uh, normal is not normal because the other kids, their lives are different. How, how did you experience that as a child? Well, for whatever reason, I didn't realize going to school at that point, I didn't realize, like I only realized in, in, in my home setting, but at school it didn't click yet that, that something was different. It was just being in the home and I think, like, as I said, there was abuse and, and there were like, um, you know, different treatment. So it, it, at that point, I realized that something was wrong, but it didn't click at school as yet. It was just in the home setting that I realized that this is, this is not normal. That's interesting that even though um, you didn't have anything to really compare it to, you just knew, you instinctive, instinctively knew that something's not right here in the home setting, something here is is off, something something is different. It's not the way it should be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's like physical abuse, you know, at that age, there was um, like stuff like not being fed, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So I knew that something was wrong at that point, but it didn't register, it didn't register at school. Okay. Like did they, did she ever tell you, the lady who was caring for you, was she the one who told you? Uh, no, for whatever, no one spoke to me about it. I think the first time, the first time I realized, like I knew something was wrong, but no one have, had ever spoken to me at that point about the, the whole situation. I think the first time I was maybe six, seven, because I was living with that lady for for, for a short period, the lady that... I was originally, that originally took me, like she sent one of her friends to visit. And when her friend visited at that point, she called her back in England and she said, you, you need to move him because I think he's going <laughs> to, I think he's going to die. Like if you leave him there because like the, the treatment. So um, she fast tracked and she, she moved me to a family member at this point, her family member at that point. So at that point now, living with that family member, I think the first time I realized was when I got my first passport. Because the the, the lady that originally took me, not adopt me, but um, took me in, um, she was in England, as I said, at, the, at this point. So she started doing stuff in the hope of getting me to England to live with her. So at that point, I realized that you know, during, during the, the passport process, I realized that, yes, you know, I don't have, like, this is not normal, and I don't really have um, parents and stuff like that. Oh, what is it about the process? How did you know? Was it because there were lots of different requirements that they needed to get your passport? I think it was something like getting birth certificate. birth certificate at this point, Nobody knew anything about my mother, but my, my father was a very prominent person in the country. So he was easy to find. And what my mother did was she gave me his full name. So like we had the same name. I'm like a junior at that point. So they were able to, to, to track him down um, because they wanted certain details to get the passport, which... Um, there, there are some of the things that they got, but some of the things he refused to give them for me to leave the country. I feel something rising up in me because he, he didn't want you to leave the country, but at the same time, he wasn't caring. I uh, wasn't involved in your life. Yeah, 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 correct. 
So how old were you now when they were trying to organize this passport for you? I was, at that point, I think, I know I was at least in grade two. So okay. like six, like seven, yeah, seven, seven, eight. Yeah, seven, eight. And then, and then at that point now, after all that process, the, the, the family that I was staying with at that point, they migrated to Canada. So I was passed on to another family. So this would be the third family that I passed on to, um, which was a bigger family with, you know, she had seven kids um, at that point. So yes, so I was passed on to that family. So at that point, I think I, I, I was old enough to start to, to start understanding more. And I saw the the relationship because she 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 was married, she had her kids and the husband was they were living together. So at that point I saw like um husband, wife, kids, and then I started to realize, okay, this is this is what's missing. What now that so now that you've had that realization that okay. Here's a family I'm now with. I see the, the mother, the father, I see the children, and I see the connections between all these people, all these individuals. How did you feel now knowing that, like, did you feel like you didn't fit? Like you, like you knew that you were apart from them and not related to them? How did that make you feel? Uh, yeah, I think at this point, at that point, was the first time I experienced um, depression, even though that that situation was was a it, it wasn't a bad situation because like you know they weren't abusive or anything like that. I think you know looking back, what brought on you know the depression is that one of the son we we are pretty much the same age, like he's a few months older than me, so we went to school together. We did everything together. We're very close. But the relationship that he had with his mom and his dad, like he was the he was the last one and he, he was spoiled. So like he would get anything that he wanted and stuff like that. So I started to see that type of relationship. And then the more I saw it, the more I realized that I didn't have that and my situation was not normal. So at that point was the first time I started experiencing like depression from the fact that not having having parents at that point, I remember for whatever reason, Mother's Day was like it was like the worst day, the worst day of the year for me. Like Mother's mm. Day, so and it was at that point that I started feeling that. Wow, thank you for for sharing that. So at this point, has anybody come to you and and told you uh, the story of your parents? Um, has anybody explained anything to you or are you just piecing these things together on your own? Uh, nobody told me at that point. I didn't, I started hearing stuff, I think when I was probably a, like a teenager. Like I remember, okay, I remember, I think the first time I started like with a conversation about it, it, I was supposed to go to high school and the lady at this point, she's my foster mom. She have kids of her own going to high school, transitioning to university. I was about to go to high school. I remember at the point I had one shoes and the shoes had no bottom or anything like that. And she called, she spoke to her, her eldest daughter and she was like, you know, you can't go to high school because there's no money. And she's like, this is not fair because his dad is like wealthy. so. Her daughter set out to fight to go find him again and take him to family court. So that's when all information started coming out about what could have happened. Even though I think up until this point, I haven't really had the full details about the, the whole story because, you know, I've not heard from his side as yet. So up to this point, I don't have the full story. I'm going to say, I just can't, so, I mean, you're going to, you notice that Vimba is the one asking most of these questions because I, obviously I'm very familiar with James' story, but I just can't imagine 
not knowing who your parents are. Like, I know you knew of, they knew of your, your, your father because he was a prominent man and you're named after him, but just not even knowing who your mother is. Like, that's just, I can't wrap my mind around it because I, I, I grew up knowing who my mother and my father are. So yeah. I can imagine just the depth of emotion and just the depth of even disconnect that you must have been going through during that time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and also another piece of this too is nobody really explained things to James, right? Like nobody really sat you down and said, okay, um, this is exactly, you know, this is your story. This is what's happened. You are piecing those things together and just to think of a, a young child, you're developing, you're growing, you're coming into your own. There's a lot to learn about the world, your world around you, your family, your friends, trying to figure all of that out. And then there's this huge chunk of your life that is just, it's just, it's blank. blank. And you're left there to fill in the blanks. And nobody's explaining that to you. That to me, I... I it, it seems so very confusing. It had to be very confusing as a child. Yeah, I, I think back then, back then it, it was almost like, like the dark ages. Like we weren't, a lot of stuff that we have now, for example, like back then we didn't have counselors at school. You know, teachers did everything. There was no uh, counselors to, to, to come in and to talk. So. At that time, there was only one diagnosis that you're bad. So if if you if you're dealing with any issues, um, you're just bad. That's it. Like, so there's no one to to counsel, to talk to, to see what's going. Because that because of those issues, then I I had learning disability. I I was not able to learn, and for whatever reason, like. Apart from the family that I, I was growing with, the other kids that I, I, I connect with, the other kids that have a similar story. So all of my friends, all my peers at school, none of them had dads in their life. All of them pretty much were growing up in dysfunction. And I think what made it even worse for me, because like even though in that circle, like everybody was, nobody was doing well, but I was the only person. My story was unique. When I started looking around and see that I was the only person growing up in my pretty much entire child to teenage life that didn't have both parents. At least everyone else had a mom, but you know, I, I was the only one growing up like that. Hmm. You're the only one growing up without a mom. So so now we're getting a, a, a picture of what it was like what it was like James growing up and the difficulty that he went through. And I kind of want to now draw a parallel to Kirk Franklin's story because within that documentary, we, he discovered his biological father after many years. And two years ago, um, it'd be almost two years ago, and I think it's actually exactly two years ago, James, that through different connections, you actually were contacted by a woman who is a good friend of your biological mother. And so now this, listeners, you can imagine this is huge because like James yeah. said, he didn't know who his biological mother was. Blank page, big question mark. And so now two years ago, he has now made a connection with someone who knows who his biological mother is. And I have to say that I was, it was deeply emotional for James. And I have to say for me as his wife, like I almost fell off my chair, figuratively speaking, because James and I have two children and not knowing that whole 
side of, I, I don't know who their paternal grandparents are. So when you look at, oh, so-and-so looks like this and, oh, my, my, you know, our daughter looks like, you don't know, like, there's still, there's some pieces missing for me because I didn't know who his parents are. So now, I, when I saw the picture of that woman, I said, this is Jane's mother. You knew right away. Oh, without a doubt. Because mm. the resemblance was uncanny. You could not deny it that this woman wow. was his mother. And so I met met I met her virtually, of course, with James. And even with her her facial expressions, I saw similarities. My goodness. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. It's amazing how the DNA is passed down that way. So I wanted to share that um, because he, in his adult, as, an, as a grown man, has now discovered his, his biological parent. And that's huge. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. That's huge. What was that like for you, James, to hear, first of all, come into knowledge that this woman could be my mother? That initial, like opening your mind to that, say, oh, there's someone out there who may have ties and connections to my biological mother. And then eventually getting to a place where you actually meet her. How, what was that journey like for you? You know, I was going through the process two to three years earlier, trying to find her. You know, I knew some, someone back home that was helping me with the search. And because, as I said, growing up, I would say from I knew myself until after I got married and the first five years or so in the marriage, that entire part of my life, I would say like I was broken, depression, attempted suicide a few times, thinking about suicide numerous times. You know, so, so I'd been through everything and got baptized as 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 a as a outlet to you know because you know I heard the saying that you know you try everything and it does, didn't work you know try God this time so I got baptized and it helped to a certain extent but then there's always this lingering depression so mm -hmm. I I set out because as I said Mother's Day was like Mother's Day was like Halloween <laughs> it was like scary every year but I think I didn't really. I think the first time I woke up and it was Mother's Day and I didn't feel pain was since I got married and we have kids together. You know, I, I'm celebrating Mother's Day because of my wife and because of the kids. So that was the first time I, I saw any type of joy in Mother's Day. So it was always like a nightmare. And uh, yeah, so trying to find her, got, get, got some information about her, my dad, and some of the information, like one of the information that I got in the early stage of the search is that my father died. I think it was on, on our wedding day, like the day that I was getting married, my father was dying. And I got some information about her that she had like two more kids. There was a picture that I saw and, and some information that I got. And then that was it. Like I started searching, but... I think at one point, I think, yes, I, I remember we reached out to you also to, to to put the name in on Facebook. I don't know if you remember that. Yes, that's right. We did. To put her name in on Facebook and to search for her. And to try to add her as a friend. I to think. add her as a friend. You may not remember that. Oh, yes. Yeah. That was back in, like, before the pandemic, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, way before yeah. the pandemic. Yeah, yeah we better. Oh, I remember. Yes, because there were some rumblings. There were some rumblings yes. about um, about her. Okay, yes, I remember that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so that that was like a dead end. So, you know, nothing happened until one day I was at work and I got a message on Instagram. And this person asked me my name. She asked me my father's name and, and stuff like that. And she said, like, can I get your number? I have something important. And 
she I gave her my number and she called and we started talking and she was and then she said like I'm a friend of your mom <laughs> so at that point because at this point like I had to go through the process of healing and like I, at that point I was you know healing and forgiveness so at that point I say you know I forgive her like I'm, I'm I'm feeling better like I can celebrate Mother's Day I can do all this like I was at the best possible place that I've been in my entire life so you know she said I know your mom and I remember the, I was shocked like I was like speeches for a couple of minutes and 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 where they're talking and then she sent me the picture and when she sent me the picture it was like me in a with with a wig on her you know that it, like it was wow yeah and I remember the picture popped up and I could feel like I'm exploding inside and then as soon as she hung up the phone I just lost it right there oh. yeah, yeah. For, for a couple of minutes before I could call before I could call my wife and share to her wife so how was that for you I mean here comes the man you love so deeply um he's just seen the picture of his biological mother and what was that like for you well i can i can say first of all i was i was blown away and i had many questions you know a lot of questions came up for me of course, as you can imagine, which there may be some questions coming up for you as you're listening to this right now, that maybe perhaps you would have um, for her. So I was kind of processing that. And also, you know, all this time, you know, unfortunately, I never got to meet Jane's foster mother, the one that had, who he, who he regards as his, his mother. I never got to meet her because unfortunately she died before we got married. So I had wanted to meet her, of course, very much so. Yeah, all this time I didn't have a mother-in-law. You know, we've been married now at that point for like a decade and I didn't have a mother-in-law. So now having someone who is, you know, technically my mother-in-law. So, yeah, something to process. Yeah, a lot of questions I had and just processing it on a level where like, oh, okay, so this is some of the, the missing puzzle pieces I, that I had in my mind because I don't know if I ever told James, maybe I, maybe you, I don't know if you remember, but like I had even a couple of dreams about her and what I thought she was going to look like. Okay, right. pause here. Pause, listeners. I have to tell you about Matisse and her dreams. Okay? <laughs> pause. Matisse is Joseph, all right? Modern day Joseph. <laughs> I cannot tell you the number of times Matisse has had a dream about something. And when she's shared the dream with me, the dream comes true. Anyone who knows me knows that I dream. If you've never heard me talk about dreams in some sort of capacity, perhaps you haven't been around me long enough because it's what I, it's just what I do. <laughs> Lots of dreams. Yeah. The whole thing, the whole life. I'll wake up in the morning and be like, wow, that was a long night because I had, I did, da, 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 I did all these things. Anyway, we digress a little bit. Yes. We digress. But yeah, so I was just processing it on that level. But can I just say something? We didn't mention this because prior to James Mean, his biological mother, I found a family member of his. But this was in year one or year two of our marriage before we had our, our daughter and our son. And it was, it's funny, I was on Facebook and at that time, I really loved Facebook. And so I was, I'm on Facebook, and I think I was probably looking for someone who would be a fan member of his. And I put in his last name. And okay, some people came up. And then I clicked on this one particular woman, 
looked at her picture. I said, oh, she looks like she could be related to James. And at this time, actually, I remember you were not at home. You were at work. It was during the evening. And I'm chatting with this woman back and forth. And I realized she's his sister. They share the same father. Hence wow. Last name. So not the Hence same last name, but the mm -hmm. same father. And I told James, and he's like, what? Ask her this and that because you actually had a brief interaction with her years ago. And so when you let me know that information and then I let it, her know about it, she's like, yes, yes, that is true. So then we, you know, obviously he made connection with her. He met her. She, she has three daughters in total, but at the time he met the twins first and it was like, oh, whoa, these girls look like me. I see the resemblance. Some so strong was, genes. Yeah, this was years before meeting his biological mother. So that was interesting too. And we've kept in touch with, with her and her, her children. So some oh. of those pieces were, have been coming together for, for some time, bit by bit. Bit by bit. All right. So James, now that you know that you know, your biological mom is is she's first of all she's alive and she's well and that there's been communication between you and her how does she uh fit into your life now like what is what is the the process that you've gone through to kind of decide what her role is in your life right now as an adult well i i think i i'm still trying to figure it out <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out because even though it's two years, we have not met in person yet. And the process is still, because the thing about the process is that, as I said, I went through like years trying to be healed and trying to get to a point where I can feel, you know, comfortable in a sense. But I think the crazy thing is that like, meeting her or the connection i think is having the opposite effect that i you know when i envision like what it would like what it would be like if i met her actually meeting her now is having like the opposite effect yeah it's like opening the wound the, the wounds and my foster mom like we had a, an amazing relationship and you know up until she died so that was one of the most difficult period in my life, you know, going back home to, to bury her and stuff like that. So connecting with my mother now, like, I feel like, you know, I buried my mom already, right? I buried her already. And now I'm dealing with this woman who just meeting. We communicate on a regular basis. Communication is still, still a bit difficult because when we'll text back and forth and at the end of the conversation, she's like, I love you, love always, stuff like that. And I think, you know, I explained to my wife, every time she used the word love, it's like she's stabbing me with a knife in my chest. I want to tell her to stop, but I just don't know how to. You know, so so it's, yeah, it's it's dealing with, 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 the, with the process of, you know, how, how do I deal with this going forward? Yeah, I'm not there yet. You know, we're still figuring out what, what the relationship is going to look like. And, you know, if I'm going to need counseling and because the wounds are open again, so... Yeah, that's where we're at. Yeah, so similar to Kirk Franklin, eh? I mean, he's when the documentary leaves leaves off, it's where he's trying mm -hmm. to figure out what this relationship with his biological father now looks like. Now the two trying to cultivate that relationship, and so very similar to where you are. James, where you're, you're trying to figure out what that looks like for you now as an adult, because, you know, you're no longer a child and the role of a mother in a child's life is, is so critical now as an adult, you know, what do you do with that, with all those pieces? Yeah, I, I think for me, like watching the documentary, because I say it was very emotional, like I watched it. And you asked me to stay with you. Yeah, I watched it, you know, so we watched it together, like I watched it by myself a few times. But for me, I felt a little bit, 
not excite, excitement, but like I felt a bit of hope because one of the things that I've experienced through my life, because you know, the, the saying that hurt people hurt people. And there's another saying that like, if you're broken, you're gonna find someone else that's broken. Like you're gonna, your circle is gonna be filled with broken people. And one of the, the thing that I um, was a bit hopeful about with the documentary is that men and women across North America will sit and watch it because, and because Kirk Franklin is, is famous, so he will reach a lot more eyes than the average person. But one of the things that I've always struggled with, and if you talk to people that are from any broken type of family, they'll share the same, is that people will see Kirk Franklin, the most decorated gospel artist of all time. They will see prominent figures that were like fostered or was missing a dad or a mom and stuff like that. And they would say, look at Kirk Franklin or look at so-and-so, like he's successful and he overcame everything. Not realizing that sometimes broken people can have a lot of success in achieving material stuff, but it doesn't mean that they're good. Kirk Franklin is still suffering. Like watching the, the documentary, I see someone that would have to be in counseling for probably the rest of his life till going through stuff. So sometimes people equate like success with your over stuff, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean that. So I think, you know, the way how us as adults have relations and bring kids into this world without thinking about both of us have to be there for the kids, regardless if you're separated or whatever, you're there and, and a child have access to both parents, how important that is because if you're not doing that, you're just leaving the world with a lot of broken people that need to be on the couch talking to someone pretty much for the rest of their life. Because as I said, Kirk Franklin is famous. He has all the money in the world, all the fame, but he's still somewhat broken. And there are millions of people out there like that. So I was hopeful when I saw the documentary that, you know, when people are entering relationships, whether marriage or people would consider casual relationship more that to bring a child into this world, you have a duty as a parent for 18 years to, to make sure that child is not broken. Very well said. Very well said. Thank you so much, James, for sharing your story with us. We really appreciate you taking the time to go into some of the, the background, some of the pain and uh, some of the emotion that has recently resurfaced for the past couple of years that you have known uh, your biological mother. Wow, Mathisa, this is a very deep topic. It's very much so. I mean, we can hear James Stormy know how, how deep this topic is. And, you know, for those of us who have grown up with our parents, we don't realize, I don't think we always fully uh, appreciate what it, well, yes and no. But sometimes on one level, we don't always appreciate the fact that we had our parents and we don't think about what it's like to not have them. Because when you have your parents from, in your life from day one, you have no idea what it's like to go through life without them or not having yeah. them, I should say, growing yeah. up. So it's it's good to hear stories from people who had different experiences. And again, I, I thank James so much for coming on and sharing his story because it is a deeply emotional and personal one. I know that it's not easy to always bring up these topics, but I thank yeah. you for coming today. Yeah. So, you know, in watching Kirk Franklin's documentary and even just knowing my husband's story, there's a biblical verse that comes to mind. And that is from Psalm chapter 27, verse 10. And it says, for my father, and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Amen. Amen. Isn't that powerful? I mean, I know that obviously we we need our earthly parents, but who gives us the greatest love of all? And that is God Almighty. 
So I just wanted to bring that in to, into the discussion. I wasn't aware of that scripture before, but doing my research in preparation of this episode, I came across and I said, I just wanted to, to share it with, with our listeners. Yeah. And, and I think if you are out there and you have grown up in a, in a situation where you were not raised with your biological parents, you have a different experience that Matisse and I cannot relate to because that's not our story. And one thing I'm so grateful for is that God in his goodness and in his wisdom, he gives us scriptures that we can look to and point to and meditate on. And that's a great scripture that you read, Mathisa. And so if you are out there and you have had an upbringing where you're not raised by your parents and there's some gaps, maybe you didn't know your your biological parents until later on in life and you had to deal with the emotional upset that that brings later on in life. We would love to hear from you and would love to know your story. If you're willing to share that with us, we'd be happy to to hear about it and hear your testimony. So I have one more thing to ask of the, the listeners is that if you've enjoyed this episode and you've enjoyed previous episodes of ours, Please share this, our podcast with a friend. We would so appreciate it. We just all want to, we want to build a community of believers who are seeking to live their life victoriously and abundantly in Jesus Christ. So share this podcast with a friend. Well, that's all that we have for you today, but we want to thank you for hanging out with us and tuning in for this episode. Yes. Thank you so much, listeners. Until next time, take care. Until next time. Bye.